Engage Sessions. The NSR Media Network presents Sessions, bringing you behind the scenes and into the lives of your favorite music artists. And now, here's your host, Barry Davis. Ah, we've got another great show for you this week, folks. And if you are a fan of music and a fan of human beings, this is a good place to be because we delve into the lives of your favorite and soon-to-be favorite musicians. And, Tom, this week we've got a great young woman who is just oozing with talent. Yeah, absolutely. Oozing with talent, oozing with positivity, and just some really good groups. Her name is Mauve, and we will hear a brand-new song from her called Right, and you will hear it here on Sessions. Coming up next, though, uh, we look back at an event that happened 40 years ago today. There is Tom Forth, I'm Barry Davis, and this is Sessions. This one's for Gene and Buddy. Our life together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Although our love is still special Let's take a chance and fly away somewhere alone It's been too long since we took the time No one's to blame I know time flies so quickly Back here on Sessions, Barry Davis and Tom Forth. And uh, Tom, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, it is December the 8th, and it was exactly 40 years ago uh, that we lost John Lennon in such a senseless, senseless murder that took place uh, just outside his apartment in New York City. And that song that we were just listening to, Just Like Starting Over, was part of an album that uh, John and Yoko made and had just released maybe about three or four weeks earlier, and that single had just started playing. I know, Tom, you were a little bit younger than I was. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, I, I remember I was I was uh, 12 years old, and I I remember it so vividly, and it's so spooky to this day. But for someone, again, that kind of, you know, learned about the story as you got older because you were too young to remember it firsthand, mm-hmm. To hear these songs that he was writing uh, in the last, you know, months of his life and to know that, you know, he was making a comeback, it, it, it's so, it's such a fascinating and such tragic story. Yeah, it was. It was one of those ones, I mean, because, yeah, I was two when it happened. And, um, you know, I, I never obviously got a sense of, of the significance of it, but what my my memories of Lennon were always like as I was growing up I was always Lennon was a thing apart from the Beatles and and you know of all the instruments that I played growing up uh, the the one song like the first song I ever learned to play it uh, was Imagine on the piano by John Lennon mm-hmm. just that you know that 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 beautiful intro to it right and that's practically the only thing I know to to this day <laughs> but you know it was 
a terrible cultural moment and you know the as close as my generation could come to it would be kurt cobain Mm -hmm. but in terms of the impact um right the difference is kurt cobain died from a drug overdose right yes and i mean i don't know what his state of mind was but that didn't have to happen and he could have somehow prevented that from happening whereas john lennon oh yeah yeah, you know you know his life was taken from him and it makes you think i mean prior to john lennon i can't recall uh, a rock star that was murdered by a crazed fan and quite honestly tom since john lennon Mm -hmm. uh maybe a couple of rappers that i've heard been murdered but do you know of any pop or rock musicians that were murdered by it especially by a fan yeah there's one in particular that is just heartbreaking for uh for metal fans in particular um and actually you know eddie van halen just passed away and so people may have seen stories because there is a deep connection between eddie van halen and the guitarist dimebag daryl oh yeah and and you know if you want to talk senseless death um the, the story behind Dimebag Daryl's last performance and just basically a crazed guy who, you know, Dimebag Daryl was famous for playing with Pantera. He was playing with another rock band that was still really well known. And they were playing a local... Was he in a movie or something recently? Uh, there's been a lot of press. It's it's a, it's a an awful story. It, it's a heartbreak. No, but I'm saying Dimebag Daryl before he... When was he murdered? Oh, we're going back a few years now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two thousand and ooh, I don't even. I you know what? I don't even want to put an exact time on it. It it's mm-hmm. back a few years now, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a you know a shooting rampage. Basically, the guy ran into the club and uh, hopped a fence and and literally ran up to him and and shot him. And you know the the assailant was eventually shot by. A, a police officer responded to the scene, but do you want to hear something just crazy ironic? Mm. Um, so Dimebag Daryl uh, was born in 1966, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dimebag Daryl passed away in 2004. You said he was also murdered by, you know, some crazy fans, it was a right? Fan, yeah, yeah. Do you know on which date Dimebag Daryl was murdered? Uh, don't tell me it was December 8th. December the freaking 8th of 2004. Are you kidding me? I am not. I'm looking wow. at it right now. December 8th, 2004. So, you know, what's what? that's <sighs> that's messed up, man. Yeah. That's messed up. But you know the, the reason that we I, we're bringing this up and uh John Lennon was one of those people that, you know, he grew up in England and he decided to settle in New York. And after all the craze of Beatlemania where they couldn't go anywhere without being, you know, accosted by fans, right? Mm -hmm. Here he was, you know, not too far off of being in the Beatles. And if he were to go most places, he would be hounded. He said he loved that he could walk up and down Broadway through New York City and Central Park, and people just go, hey, John, how are you? Good to see you, John, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just felt so comfortable. He felt so safe. You know, he had security, but not like what we would see now. Yeah. But he felt, and in fact, 
if you go to YouTube, there is uh, audio of the last interview that John Lennon gave, and it was literally, believe, the day before he was shot. And he speaks specifically about how safe he felt in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Tom, do you, do you know anything about the story of, of the guy who did it, Mark David Chapman? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, oh, wow, I just watched the South Park <laughs> Just just last week, I watched the South Park where they. I'm were, curious to know how you're going to tie this into they John were, Lennon. They were reading Catcher in the Rye. Oh. And they were trying to figure out why they banned Catcher in the Rye, and uh, and so Butters gets brain. He reads Catcher in the Rye and he gets brainwashed and tries to go kill John Lennon, but John Lennon's already dead. Oh jeez. I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, it's, it's 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 a it's it's an awful story. It's a heartbreaking story, really. Yeah, and Mark David Chapman grew up a huge Beatles fan. He was from Hawaii, and he, I don't know if he was suffering from some mental illness. I don't know. But he had these little toy soldiers in his, I would say he was probably schizophrenic. Mm. He had these toy soldiers that would literally talk to him and, and tell him to do things, and he would you know, believe what these soldiers would say, and he would be reading Catcher in the Rye, and uh, at some point, he decided that he thought John Lennon was a fraud. Yeah. And he needed to be killed, you know, because his soldiers told him. And he yeah, He was one of the fake people from... Yeah, from the yes. Yeah, yeah. And he he staked out where John was going to be, knew he was going to be in New York City recording. He flew from Hawaii to New York, booked himself into a hotel in Times Square, mm-hmm. and had everything planned out, what he was going to do. And from one of the stories I'd heard that he almost changed his mind and wasn't going to do it, and then the last minute said, no, I'm going to do it. And he didn't... He saw John Lennon about four or five hours earlier. Lennon was leaving his apartment to go to the studio to record uh, what was going to be their follow-up album. Mm -hmm. And... He, Mark David Chapman, sees Lennon outside his, ho- his, you know, his uh, apartment, hands him a copy of the brand new album and asks John to sign it. So he's signing the album for the guy who's going to m- shoot him dead in just a few hours. And there was a photographer, you know, paparazzi there. So there, there's pictures of this, of Lennon. And this was probably the last, it was, it was the last photo of him alive, mm-hmm. of him signing the record for this guy. And he waited and waited and waited all night for Lennon to return. And when him and Yoko returned, they got out of the limo, started walking to the gate to the room, uh, their hotel or their their apartment. And he called him out and boom, boom, boom. You know, it's just, it, it, it's crazy. It's just, it's still mind boggling after all these years to think of what what could have happened and how different this world could have been and how much incredible music we could have been listening to. Yeah, it's that was a long rant. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it, it, but but you're right. You know, it's it's you know to be struck down and you, you could arguably really call it as prime. I mean, look at how long both McCartney and Harrison, you know, yeah. went on to 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 create great material. And let's yeah. face it, you know, Lennon was forty. It's like yeah. it's like I'm a lot older than that. You know, and, and I don't feel like I'm old. <laughs> I hope I've got good material left in me. Yeah, it's. You know what? We we were certainly robbed, <laughs> but I look at you know you you were kind of talking about that in sort of the broader terms of 
just sort of the bubble that musicians are living in and, and the security that, that surrounds them and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll go back to the, the, the Dimebag Daryl shooting and, um, that's another one where, you know, they've talked to a bunch of people about it and the dude was, the dude was outside the club and it was like this really small knit community of, you know, metal Pantera concerts would have been like thousands of people back in the day. But like, this is a small local venue with like 200 people that were out to see these guys that paid eight bucks a ticket. So really close access. And the guy still didn't even have a ticket. And people had asked him if they want if he wanted to come into the club and he had said no 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 I'm waiting for the the big band I'm waiting for Dimebag's band and then the second Dimebag's band took the stage he just ran up and, and he shot and wow you know with with the Lennon one we're left with that that horrible feeling of that gaping hole of what could have been and 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 while that is there that's certainly there for 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 Dimebag fans for Panther, he was a, a brilliantly talented guitarist absolutely like top notch but you know the the scariest thing about that is that while Lennon was top of the world couldn't get more famous this was a guy playing in a local venue and mm-hmm. and and try like in in a in a form of music where they're they're priding pr- priding themselves on reaching out to their fans and that could happen and you know who's seen concerts and you know guys jump up on stage with the heavy metal band and they d- oh, yeah. they dive all off, the right? time that doesn't happen as often since time Bay Daryl it's really changed I know I've seen I've seen it referenced in interview after interview how that's changed the whole dynamic of how musicians actually approach live performances and security is done. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you look back yeah. at some of those, you know, concerts during Beatlemania days mm-hmm. and it's amazing. I mean, and, and especially into the, uh, you know, 1965, 66, when Lennon was, you know, saying some controversial things or they were taken controversial and they were doing Beatle burnings and it's in the Bible belt. They wanted them banned. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's amazing that, you know, no one, did something crazy then and but i tell you what after after lennon was killed uh rock stars all decided that they need extra security and that's really when the big posses of security mm-hmm. started surrounding celebrities right i mean elton john or billy joel and these guys they'd have you know four or five big dudes surrounding them all the time yep, yep. it's sad that you know you have to have that disconnect from your fans because there's some idiots out there. It's almost like, you know what? It's almost like how we live in COVID. We all have to live in isolation because of a few idiots out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, that's an argument we could go down its own whole rabbit hole on that. Yes. But I think, Thomas, why not put our listeners in a much better frame of mind there we go are you are you in the mood to be in a good mood let's yeah let, let's 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 be in better moods how about that more can, positive how's that can you give me a right can i give you a sword can you give me a right a right oh my god you're new at this game hey yep. okay yep okay pretend i'm a cheerleader give me a right right 
See? Now, back it up 10 minutes ago, and that would have been really good. Wow. Okay. You know why I say right? Because right is the name of the song. This is brand new music from Mauve here on Sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new music from Mauve. The song is called Right. And we are joined by the very talented Mauve here on Zoom for the first time on Sessions. Great to talk to you again, Mauve. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. So I listened to the song. Then I went and watched the video. And I'll tell you something, Mauve. Watching that video reminds me of everything I miss about life pre-COVID. You totally (laughs) brought that essence of, oh, my God. God, I want to be able to just be free again. Yes. Obviously, this was shot. Was it shot like in this this past summer? It was shot in September with very limited crew, and since we were outside, you know, it was no problem being distant from everyone. So we're making sure we're still yeah. being safe. Well, tell us about that the video shoot and your idea behind it, because like what I had said is. I, you look so happy and it just looks like not a care in the world. It's just so wonderful. Was that what you were thinking with the video? 
Yeah, especially with the vibe of the song, like it's just, you know, to just dance around and have a little party for yourself, even it's a self-isolation party. So I wanted to make sure, uh, since we can't really have worked in a studio inside, why not take it to the lake and just enjoy the boardwalk, bring the sunshine, the weather was beautiful that day. So it was just awesome being able to uh, spend some time outdoors for that video. Beautiful. And, you know, when did you come up with the idea? Because this tune, it, it's like a wall of positivity, both the video and the song. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we spoke, actually just last week, we spoke to another artist who uh, took a decidedly different approach. And, and you know, well, that artist was, was kind of going more of a protest and we should be better to each other. Um, it seems to me that your video is pretty pretty similar. It's like, you know what, this is a bad time right now. Here, let's have some fun. And, and that, that that's... You know, it seems like a simple answer, but it, it's a, it's an absolutely wonderful one. And I, I just want to ask you where you came up with the idea to 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 get going and just throw that positivity at a time that's decidedly not so positive. <laughs> yeah, especially being surrounded and bombarded by each day, it's nice to have somewhat of a little escape. And that's kind of what music is. It is an escape to create a different picture around you, to take you to a different time, a different energy. So that's what I like doing with music. And I know that uh, there's been a lot of like kind of a retro revival of different disco synths and all of those sounds. So I kind of wanted to add those groovy flavors into the song when working on it. So I you know, wanted to keep those fresh, positive vibes while making it. And that's one of the things that really impressed me about this song, Mauve, is I'm listening to it, and, and I, I'm, I'm always listening with headphones, and it's like, oh, now I hear some really cool horns in the chorus. Where did those come from? And then I hear, you know, a little <laughs> bit of this 80s keyboard synth sound, and then I'm hearing all these different textures. And then I know you've described songwriting as, like, you know, being an artist and, and making a painting and having all the layers and such. And You remember that. Yeah, and, and, and the... <laughs> The only other artist I've ever heard really describe writing songs like that was Lennon and McCartney when they would put together these just beautiful masterpieces. And this is something that, you know, sometimes people write songs and Tom, you and I, you know, you're, you fiddle around with something. It's like, OK, you know, what, what can we do? Oh, we lay a vocal on. But to be able to hear so many different things, Mauve, I mean, is this something that you've just gotten better at in time or is that something you've always just been able to envision in your head? Uh, you know, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, another one who just had this unbelievable mind of the different layers that can be in a, mm -hmm. in a song. Yeah, you're definitely right about that with those great examples. And for me, I do like blending different genres. So incorporating, you know, the orchestra instruments in there, having the different hits. I think it's so cool to have that fusion and to hear the different layers. I don't really like monotone songs that kind of follow a basic structure. So that's why for this one, you hear nice, cool elements of different instruments. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, you're enjoying the way it sounds and it's really adding that punch to it. You know, there's an awful lot of artists out there right now that are kind of following a similar path to what you're doing, you know, and, and that's just throwing their good stuff out there, you know, using the opportunity to, to, to start creating music because, the opportunities to share music is, you know, they're, they're few and far between, unfortunately, at the moment. But, you know, we've got this opportunity to catch up right now. Uh, how is, like, 
the live music, the sharing your music. What what are things looking like for you right now as a, as a, as a young up and coming artist? You know, what does mm. the world look like right now? Yeah, it has been quite a different year, and I'm sure Barry knows with the performances this summer. Mm. And uh, Tom is the... in a band with me as well, so yeah, Tom and oh, okay. I, yeah, well, both yeah. lost yeah. out on a lot. Oh of yeah, work. we're all in that boat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you just miss it so much, and you're thinking back to last year and all the performances you had. But uh, you know, not being able to tour or anything, it has given the room to kind of think outside of the box and to. Uh, start with the music creation, just writing more songs. So during the summer, you know, I was busy recording the songs and producing them. Well, not me producing them, but emailing the producers and collaborating together. So just more time has been dedicated towards that in working with different collaborators. And um, I do have, you know, another a song that I'm planning to release in maybe a month or so. So that's basically... Uh, has been the schedule with just making more music, you know, despite not being able to have any live performances this year. I know with the way the world goes now, people are, musicians, actors, whomever, athletes, they're judged by the number of likes they get, the number of hits they Mm -hmm. get. For you, is this something that you try not to obsess over? I mean, it's, it's so nice to look at your YouTube page and say, oh, look, you've got, you know, X thousands of of views of a song in a week and that can be encouraging but then there's also could be a time where you're like oh i wish it were more i wish it were more like how do you balance Mm -hmm. that uh when it comes to just seeing what is there because back in the day musicians wouldn't know until months later oh you sold so many thousand records right you don't have this update daily on how many people are listening to your music yeah yeah it definitely does put a stress on the numbers and the pressure but especially with everyone's the Spotify unwrapped and everyone's showing that's basically what it is, yeah. right? <laughs> so with that, I think, you know, to a point you always want to be growing there, but to me there's more value. Like when I see like the individual person listening to the song. So it doesn't matter like the mass amount of people actually listening to it. Um, my song has been featured in uh, several TikToks and there's people just like little kids making dances of it. So with me cool. seeing that, just them enjoying the song and they're like on the other side of the world doing it, just seeing that like singular example is kind of like more fulfilling than just seeing a bunch of numbers. So you got another I think fan that here. Is more important. Oh, look at that. So cute. <laughs> For those Before listening. The lock- yeah, the, he it, must know that we're doing a podcast. I know. Uh, my cat, every time Tom and I do a podcast, decides to come downstairs and bug Tom. But now that Tom can't come over here anymore, he's kind of missing you. So, Aww. yeah, <laughs> I'm missing him. He's my right. buddy. He's going now. About halfway through every interview, he'll get he'll get angry and he'll, or not angry, but playful. That's because you me. bug him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? uh, so, Mo, you know, we, we, we touched upon uh, briefly uh, this big, uh, you know, uncovering of Spotify Uh, as a musician Mm -hmm. how has it been personally for you because from what depending on what you read you could get a a million streams and you get like you know 20 bucks or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah exactly it all depends on I guess the quality of support that you're getting not necessarily the quantity because you can have people listening to it but it's only for like three seconds or whatever and then they skip to the next song so you really want to make sure 
you're getting that strong engagement from people and you're actually like building your fan base. So that's why, you know, I prefer as, as he mentioned earlier today, when he said, Oh, one of the first artists to send him like a little intro message on Instagram, that's kind of like what I like to do just to connect with people more on that level instead of it just being like a superficial thing. So that's kind of what I, I start to do more. Yeah. And, and Barry, that's actually, you know what, for any musicians listening, um, because Instagram for me is, uh, it's where I go to find cool stuff and, and, and that's music, photography. It's, you know, it's literally, it's where I go to find stuff that makes me happy. And, and, uh, so I reach out to, or I, I follow a lot of artists and I've never had an artist reach out like that. And, and immediately I didn't Am I not think following Move here? Follow because I, I would have recalled getting one of those. <laughs> I'm gonna have Unless to... you followed me before I started doing. Oh yeah. That. See, what do you get so from your loyalty, we'll Move? What do I get from my loyalty, huh? Let's. See. I give them, you know, a little shout out message. Thank you for following me. If you yeah. like my content, you know, here's my Spotify yeah. to check out more of my music. Yeah, yeah I'm following. It's, it's you. brilliant. I am. I'm following you. Yeah, you're already you're already on the list. Right. <laughs> Barry just never goes on. Instagram. I don't. I post things on there, and I don't post <laughs> things often enough because it seems that that's the the new one, right? I, I have no, you talked mm. about TikTok. No, no, no. TikTok's not, the new one. I not oh, even, yeah. I, I can't even begin. Like, you know, whole other world. Yeah. I, I was still trying to explain to people, someone last week that I still have MySpace when most people don't know what that is because, oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Well, I used, do you, do you know what, do you know MySpace? I do remember it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If you, go yeah, ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Barry. No, no, no. no you, uh, you first. Oh, gee. Listen to this. See, if he was beside me, I'd just slap him across the head and say, come on, your turn. Yeah, exactly. Um, So when it comes to writing songs for you, Mov, I'm always fascinated in the process that goes through it for you. Do you get a melody in your head? Do you do you get a beat? Uh, I know that's what, you know, a lot of the younger people do now is they have their beat and then they kind of build everything around that. Or is everyone kind of different for you? it all starts with the inspiration I guess and that can either come from either something I've gone through or someone someone else is going through so it's kind of that initial feeling that pushes me to kind of want to write about it because that's just a way that I'm comfortable with expressing it so usually it is like in the form of a melody and then I'll just record it on my phone or something just to keep it in my mind kind of save it for later uh, just to keep building on it. So it does kind of like happen in a step-by-step base where kind of just morphs and then keeps growing into a full song. Hmm. Wow. That's, you know, it, it's funny. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a, a little, little bit of that inspiration spark, but there's a lot of building that goes on behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about your songwriting, um, because I've you know I've got to throw this out there. You you've got I think the genre of music that you that you're under. You know I was looking at your bio. It's electric chill pop. Yes, I like that. Right. <laughs> I I love and you know what and you and you you read that and it sounds like okay what what is that right and then you mm. listen to your tunes and oh okay I get it. But uh, the question that it brought up for me right away is where do you draw influences as as a songwriter as a performer. Who are, who are the ones that you go to that, you know, that you would say influenced you over the years? Yeah, there are so many. 
I would say, you know, a, a Canadian example will be Amanda Marshall. Oh, because wow. Because I just... Oh. Mm-hmm. I, again, there's I, a name that I didn't even think that you would have put out there because... I know. Of, I love the 90s. And people are like, how do you hear about these artists? And yeah. Stuff? But, yeah. She, and you know what? Awesome. I, I wish Amanda Marshall had a longer career because tremendous voice. Tremendous voice on that woman. Pipes. Big yeah. pipes. Yep. Yeah. She, it's been like 20 years or something mm-hmm. since... She's released something. So Amanda, mm-hmm. if you can, you know, release new stuff, that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely her with just her voice and all the power that she adds to it. Uh, Lauren Hill as well, mm-hmm. her voice and her songwriting is very melodic and uh, really enjoy listening to that. And uh, TLC, um, just their positive mm-hmm. message and like the harmonies that they add to their songs. Uh, another big influence of mine. So those are a few examples. And and you, piano was your instrument that you played first, right? Mm-hmm. So do you yeah. do you sit behind the piano when you're writing? Is that all part of the creation? And and how does when does the layering start to come to you? When do you start to hear these different sounds and vibes? Mm-hmm. Definitely, piano is a big part of that. You know, just sitting on the piano is just such a cathartic way. Uh, to release those feelings and messing around with different chords and ideas. So a lot of the song formation comes from that. And then I would record like a rough demo on my computer software and then just kind of plan out the basic instruments, how I want it to sound, all the lyrics. And then once that is done and then I'm ready to, you know, officially record it, I work with my producer and then they create like the official instrumental, you know, add, add their cool ideas for it, touch it up and everything. And yeah, it's basically the journey of cool. it. Wow. So mm-hmm. start, to, start to end, you know, ballpark, how long does that process take? Like how long does it take for one of these babies to go from an idea to, to mm-hmm. out on the streaming services? Yeah. The problem is that I have so many like song ideas that I've already written on page that, you know, especially with releasing them, you want to spend a few months just putting attention towards them. So that's why I guess it does take a little bit longer, just giving each song the time it needs to reach listeners and all of that. So, um, but yeah, I would say like the recording process is, is pretty quick, maybe like under a month with working with the producer and then working on recording the vocals. So I would say that's the timeline. Move when if you're in a band situation, Tom and I have both been in band situations that have done original music and whoever would have maybe come up with a song idea, we'll bring it to the band and we'll all listen to it and say, yeah, you know, let we that's a good one. We got to keep going or maybe that's not so good. Or, you know, what if we changed the tempo or did this or did that? When you're a solo mm-hmm. artist, other than your producer that you've already kind of have your song together, do you bounce ideas off of anybody? Is there anyone that kind of gives you that second opinion? Because... I think that as you're creating everything, you think this is incredible and there's Mm -hmm. some that may not be as incredible as others. So who gives you that opinion? Of course, you do want to make sure you're not being narrow minded with what you're working with. You know, even though you might think it's awesome, you know, it's important to have other people listening to it. There's other songwriters that I know that uh, I kind of, I, we'll kind of show them the song in the beginning stages for them to get their opinion on it and see what they feel like oh instead of singing it that way why don't you try singing it this way and it's like very helpful to have because 
you know, that idea wouldn't have come to your mind. So I, I do kind of remind myself to make sure I'm uh, getting more input, more opinions as the process goes on. Uh, because yeah, you're right. Like with a band, you do have those different creative minds all a part of it. But as a solo artist, you still got to make sure you're getting uh, more people to add the creativity to the song. Man, you really have to have thick skin to make it in this music business, right? Because music is so <laughs> subjective. And you can take, mm -hmm. you know, 10 of the most popular bands of all time. And, you know, I would say I like, you know, five of them and the others I hate. And it's like something I hate, Tom will think is the most brilliant thing ever written. So as a musician, right. you have to really be able to understand that, you know, some people are going to love what you do and some people are not going to like it at all. And you have to be able to not let the negative you know, engulf mm -hmm. you and take over. Yeah. And that's why you kind of do have to have that intuitive voice in your head as well, because you can have some people think like, no, you should do it this way. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it's your song, if it's going to have your name on it, you kind of have to have your full belief on it and make sure you're standing by it mm -hmm. of what you're releasing. Have you ever had any input from, uh, from you know, someone that's been helping you out that you didn't listen to and then you, the song got out there and you went, oh, I should have done that in, in hindsight? Mm -hmm. Or likewise, say, maybe the opposite. You didn't take someone's advice. Of course, yes. Yeah, it turned yeah, out to be great. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the opposite happened to me where someone, uh, you know, gave me the song and then I thought like, oh, what if we try this? Because, you know, it was it's sounding very repetitive. And I'm like, no, you know, this is what it is. You got to trust me. And then it released. And then, you know, people were saying, and this was like early before, like, I was really releasing stuff. But mm -hmm. the, the common thing was, you know, you got to add more dynamics to it. And in my head was like, yeah, that's, those were my initial thoughts. So, you know, it does happen. And it's just part of the learning process. Mova, you were so seasoned already at such a young age. When did music become the dream for you? When did it, you, do you recall first thinking or going up to your parents and saying, I want to do this for a living? I'd say it was, uh, I guess, early high school just was when I started getting into vocal lessons Um because just from watching musicals growing up and then being in musicals in high school, definitely wanted me to be on the stage more and being able to, you know, release my own songs because, you know, naturally I just wanted to write songs that way. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, why don't I keep working on this and improving my uh, voice and my message? So yeah, I guess that's, that's where it started and just kept rolling from there. Where did it go from? So you you mentioned musicals. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite high school musical you were in? Actually, it, was it high school was... musical? <laughs> no. Uh, -huh. uh, there was kind of like a Wizard of Oz, a parody type one that I was Dorothy in. So nice. uh, I was in that one. So that was fun. And then uh, Romeo and Juliet type parody one. So. Uh, yeah, different, definitely a different array of, of types. But yeah, I, I, every time there's, you know, a, a really cool production coming to Toronto, I, I try and go mm -hmm. see it. So sorry, a what? Watching a, all of them. a what? Production. I, I never heard of that. Is that <laughs> yeah. Is that where people okay. actually, 
are in front of others. They used to happen. They used to happen. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. I, um, well, they've got cats. The movie now, right? So yeah. you can see that. Um, yeah. it's, interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. You you brought up the theater because theater singing in a dramatic play is so different than singing a pop song. Um, mm-hmm. Is it is it an easy adjustment for, for you that if you were to do live theater, you could just do that and not sound like a pop singer? You know what I mean? Because it's two totally different mm-hmm. types of singing. Yeah, it's definitely different vocal training that you need for each one because, you know, the Broadway singing is not the same as like pop star singing. Mm-hmm. But I think just the sense of releasing that emotion and kind of expressing it full force is kind of what I connect to on both ends. So it doesn't matter like what you're singing about, you know, in a musical, you're like putting yourself in that story as that character. And when you release a song, you kind of want to create a story as well. So that's kind of the similarity I see between the two. I'll tell you what, Mauve, as I was driving home from work today and I had my iPhone plugged into my car and just put on random, Come Around came on. Just of all my oh. songs, Come Around came on. <laughs> and it reminded me of how talented you were and how excited I was to to come home and listen to the new song and watch the video. And listen, you are you are on the right path. I mean, you are going to get there. And because you. your music is phenomenal. You are incredible talent and you're a good person. And I think we, Tom, we pull for good people. Yeah, I'll, I'll, a big shout out to like a big shining ray of positivity in a time when I think we all need it. Yeah, for and, sure. And, you know, you. Your, your music certainly does that. Yeah, it put that a smile on my me. face and I needed that. So uh, for those uh, watching and listening that want to follow you on social media, like the Instagram or the, is it TikTok? Do you have a, do you have a yes. TikTok page? <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, oh, okay. I have Go pl- <laughs> plug it all. Yes, so you can find me on the Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Uh, Instagram is mauve.music, and that's spelled M-A-U-V-E. You are awesome, Mauve. Thanks again. Let's do it again. Uh, hopefully one day we can do something like from one of your live shows. Yeah, that yeah, would be awesome. Go. Take care. <laughs> Great to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. There is Mauve. And Tom, We, I tell you what. Uh, the last three young performers we've had on the show, and we're talking Mauve, Sea Magic, and Villavant. Uh, yep. uh, you know what? They're all going to be big stars. It's a pretty cool gig to have, and, and they're all powerhouses in their own way, and, and, and in completely different ways. At least in terms of Villavant, with the other two, like you could see, at least in terms of style. You know the similarities between Sea Magic and, and Mauve, mm-hmm. um, but you know, regardless of the genre, regardless of their approach, yeah, all three of them are just powerhouses. <laughs> you know, we continue to talk about supporting our local businesses, right? How about yep. supporting our local artists? Go out and pick up their music. Go on iTunes, purchase it. As we've spoken before. Um, because of what is happening that we're hearing about with Spotify artists are making crap. So go out and support them. Even if it means buck 99 or whatever it is to get a single now. Right. Exactly. You know, for all, for everybody out there that is stuck at home, you're bored, you're, you're, you're upset, you're isolated. Um, It is probably the best time in human history. And there are probably more people 
creating music mm-hmm. on a daily basis now than ever before in human history. Absolutely. And, and it's being put out there by all these people. It's being put out there free in a lot of cases. Um, start clicking on it. Start supporting it. You're going to find that you feel better. You're going to find that you find some amazing artists like these young girls, like Mauve, like C-Match, like Villavan, right? Well said. Or you're going to find old artists that you've completely forgotten about. Yes. And over the next few weeks, uh, we've got some big ones coming your way. I'm not Mm going to, I don't want to spoil anything yet, but we do have some very, we're going to finish off 2020 with some huge, huge names in the music business. Tom, as always, a pleasure. And to all of you, thank you so much for making us a part of your week. That's all the time we have for today's show. Until next time, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. I'm Casey Kasem.